listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Senior Pastor Kelly Fellows. We're in this series called Identity, and I want to jump right into it because I have so much to share uh, today. It's all about who he is and who we are. And the very first week, as you recall, we discovered God's identity when he gave Moses his name. And when Moses said, who should I say sent me? When, you go, when I go to Egypt, when I go to help deliver God's, your people, God, who should I say sent me? And God spoke from the burning bush. And what Moses heard was the breath of God. When he said, we translated that to the the Hebrew letters of Y-H-W-H. And in English, we completely translate that to the words, I am. So when you read the Bible there in Exodus, you read, God said, tell them, I am sent you. And that's exactly what God had said. Last week, we jumped over in the New Testament into the Gospel of John, and we heard God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, make eight distinctive I am statements. And these declarative, metaphorical statements gave us insight into God's character. Because when you see Jesus, you see God. Jesus even said that. You want to know the Father? Look at me. You want to know how God feels about poverty? What did Jesus think about poverty? If you want to know what God thinks about injustice and unrighteousness, what did Jesus think about injustice and unrighteousness? When you want to think about how does God feel about hypocrisy, what does God think about fill in the blanks? Look at how Jesus filled in the blanks. He declared, I am. And I just want to show you, these were the statements that he made last week. And because of these statements, we see who we are. Because he is living bread, I'm satisfied, right? Because he is the light, I can see clearly. Because he is the gate, I have a home. Because he's a good shepherd, I am protected. Because he is the resurrection, I am alive. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life, I am never lost. And finally, we saw because he is the vine, I can be and I am productive and fruitful. Take a picture of these. Somebody, a couple of people actually messaged me last week saying, oh, I missed that, Pastor Kelly. You didn't leave it up long enough. Take a picture to remind you when you know who he is, then you can know who you are. Right? Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to jump over and do another gospel. We're going to go to the front of the New Testament in the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus shows who he is. There's a revelation of who Jesus is, and it transformed one individual's life. And because of that revelation, transformation took place, and I want to encourage you in that today. But before we go there, have you ever noticed how important people's names are to them? Have you ever noticed that? If you mispronounce their name, they're quick to correct you, isn't that right? Have you, have you noticed how important names are to people? I remember I used to speak at uh, camps when I was uh, running the national youth ministries for our Foursquare denomination. I would go around traveling to camps, and uh, I started going to these certain camps every year. One of those was up in uh, Central California at a camp called Old Oak Ranch. And I can remember going there a number of years, you know, three, four years in a row. And it seemed like every single time I'd go there, there would be kids that would come up to me and go, Hey, uh, Pastor Kelly. Remember me? Oh, yeah, I remember you. You were a little shorter, but now you're a little taller. They go, what's my name? Shoot, always putting me on the spot. And I'd say, well, you know, buddy, (laughs) 
dude, how you doing? You know, I was always, so I made it a point when that first started to happen. I'm like, I've got to try to remember these kids' names. And if I know their name, I'm going to make it a point. And I would start writing them down. And I'd even write the camp that they were at. Old Oak, 1999. I met, you know, John and Jimmy and Adrian and all these. I'd write these names down. And before I go back to the camp, I'd look those over and go, okay, if I see them again, if I recognize them, I'm going to say their name. Why? Because names matter. They do. They, na- they matter. And if you mispronounce it, you're usually in trouble. Well, to help illustrate this a little bit, there's a comedian by the name of Brian Regan who does a little bit about names. Take a look and take a listen to this. I can't remember names. And I'm always trying to do the nickname thing to get out of it. Everybody knows what you're trying to pull, you know? Hey, buckaroo. My name's not buckaroo. Sure, sure it is, partner. Some people get really upset if you get their name wrong, especially if they have a name that's similar to another name. Carolyn and Caroline. They got to think about that, man. Don't get that wrong, because they're going to drill you. Hi, Carolyn. It's Caroline. It's Caroline Brian. It's Brian. Yes, my name is Brian. It's very hard to say my name correctly. Because my name is Can you say that? Very few can. Correctly. When I was born, I had a different name than I currently have. When I was born on my birth certificate, I found out that my name was Douglas Save. Yeah, French. I actually kind of liked that. I thought it sounded cool. It sounded like Suave. And I thought, oh, I kind of like that last name. But I was adopted by a couple by the name of Mike and Vivian Fellows. And so when they adopted me, they changed my name. They kept Douglas. They liked the Douglas part. But then they decided they were going to give me a few more names. And so Mike and Vivian really, you know, they researched what are some of the things that we like, what are some meanings of the names. And so now today, my full name is Douglas Sean Kelly Fellows. I think they're schizophrenic. They just gave me all these names. Thinking, well, and then and, and my dad, I remember being a young man saying, Dad, why did I get so many names? They go, well, we like Douglas. Douglas is cool if you're going to be like a doctor or a lawyer or something professional. Douglas sounds very, very, you know, posh and, you know, very professional. And then I go, okay, so Sean, S-E-A-N, what is that? And my mom quickly spoke up. She goes, oh, because of Sean Connery. He was so handsome. <laughs> 007, the original 007. And so my mom would say, well, if you're going to be a lover, then you'll be Sean. Well, thanks, mom. I remember I used to write love notes to Leah, and I'd sign it, Sean. My alter ego, you know, my, my, the lover. And then I said, well, what about Kelly? My mom, who is Irish, said, oh, I love Kelly. You know, I, I, she said she used to love to watch Gene Kelly dance. And not only was Gene Kelly an old actor who was a dancer, but he was also a boxer. And he was also very athletic. And so my mom said, I like Kelly. It's a good Irish name. It means dark warrior. And so if you're active, if you're into sports or dance or something active, Kelly will be a great name for you. And my mom loved the name Kelly so much, she just called me by my second middle name, Kelly. And so that just stuck with me. And, uh, you know, because moms have power, right? I remember in college, I thought, well, I want to be professional, right? So I'm going to start going by Douglas. It didn't stick. It didn't work. I confused all of my uh, professors because I'd walk into class and they'd be saying, hey, Kelly, hey, Kelly, hey, Kelly. And the professor would say, what's your name again? Because we have Douglas down here. And I'd say, well, my name's Kelly. And they go, oh, 
Oh, you want to go by Kelly? Oh, I understand. Okay, Kelly is your name. We'll, we'll go by Kelly. I used to think, what is that weird? Why are they saying it that way? Now I've learned. <laughs> Kelly is my name, and Kelly's what stuck with me. And it means something very significant for me. My mom loved that name. And it reminds me of the love that my mom had for me. See, because when she would say, Douglas, Sean, Kelly, Fellows, I knew what that meant, right? <laughs> She's using the whole name. I am in trouble. And it was long. It was Douglas, Sean, Kelly. It gave me plenty of time to run out of the house and get down the street before she finished. Because I knew what was coming when she started. But when she was speaking about me with words of pride and with words of love and, and, uh, and honor, she would say, oh, my son, Kelly. Oh, my son, Kelly. Before there was the show America's Got Talent, there used to be a show way back in the day called Star Search. And yeah, some of the older folks in here, you know what I'm talking about, Star Search. And I loved one of my favorite memories. My mom would be sitting when she was kind of sick. She'd be in her bed and she'd be watching television. She loved watching Star Search. And she would say, oh, Kelly can sing better than that. Oh, Kelly could dance. He may not dance, but he could dance better. And she was talking to the TV, even though I was there. And I loved it because when she said Kelly, she was talking with all the potential. She saw Kelly as a successful uh, a man, a successful business person. Whenever she said Kelly, it was with words of love and respect and honor. So Kelly is stuck and Kelly's what I love. You know, throughout the Bible, we see that names are important too. From the beginning, in the book of Genesis, all the way to the book of Revelation, names are important. And we usually see that when God does something very significant, that there's usually a name given to the place or to the event. Or a name change happens, and we see that all throughout the Bible. When something significant happens in a person's life, where there's a meeting with God, then a name change happens, because when you meet God, you're never the same. When you have an encounter with Jesus, your life is transformed. One of those places in the Bible is found in the New Testament book of Matthew. And if you brought your Bible or you brought your notes, uh, your notebooks, your solid life journals, go ahead and open those up because we're going to just jump into it today. The title of this message today is, I am who he says I am. I am who he says I am. And you can write that down. We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read from this and you'll quickly see where we're going. Matthew chapter 16 beginning there at verse 13, says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah the prophet. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, Okay, but who do you Say, I am. Jesus and his followers arrived in Caesarea Philippi six months before Jesus' crucifixion. This was on Jesus' mind and Jesus' heart. He knew what was coming. He knew what his life on earth was ultimately for. This was a pivotal time in Jesus' ministry. As a matter of fact, they just started to show the picture. You guys can go ahead and put that picture up there. Um, the setting was this lush historic land with beautiful waterfalls. And these waterfalls fed the Jordan River. Today it looks like this. As you can see in the background, there's a cave. 
The Canaanites actually 2,000 years before that, 2000 BC, the Canaanites actually built a temple there in this area. And it was dedicated to the false god, the demonic god, Baal, B-A-A-L. Then later on, the ancient Greeks and the Romans would also build a worship sanctuary for the mythical god Pan, who was mischievous, according to the Romans and the Greeks. And within that cave, they had a sanctuary there dedicated to Pan. So this area was a religious hub, and people would come there looking to connect with a god. So isn't it interesting that Jesus uses this background to reveal himself, the background of confusing mythology, deceptive false gods. Jesus stands in the forefront to say, who does the world say I am? With all that in the background, he says, who do people say I am? In other words, he's asking the disciples, do they think I'm one of these false gods? Do they think that I'm just another great prophet? You know, this question is very relevant for you and I today. Who do you say Jesus is? See, religions around the world acknowledge Jesus, but some consider him just a good man. Some consider him just a good teacher, maybe even a prophet. But the question is, who do you say Jesus is? In the background of our society where there are many gods, who do you say Jesus is? Let's continue reading and let's see how one of the disciples responds. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. Everyone say rock. rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Simon speaks up, the son of John. If, if Simon lived today, his name would be Simon uh, Johnson. That's, that's what his name would be. It'd be Simon Johnson because that's how they referred to each other. Simon, son of John. So today he'd be called Simon Johnson. And he responds by saying, no, not a prophet. None of these mythological deities. You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. And Jesus responds and says, you know what? Reason, empirical evidence, uh, the miracles that you've seen, that wasn't what convinced you. Jesus responds and says, you heard from God. You heard from God that Jesus is a divine deity, the promised one who would set all the captives free, the Messiah. And this revelation changed everything. This revelation made transformation take place even in Peter. So much so that Jesus changes his name. He would no longer be Simon. God would literally change his name from Simon to Peter. Now you see, you have to think about something for a moment. When Jesus first met Simon, he had a reputation. He was a fisherman, actually a business owner. 
And he normally did pretty good, according to scripture. He had partners that worked with him in the fishing industry. And he was a scrapper. He was a little rough around the edges. And you know how fishing people can be. Language isn't so good. You know, they don't smell so good. They're a little harsh, a little rough around the edges. That was Simon. But Jesus still called him and said, hey, follow me. When Jesus used the word Simon, when we read through the Gospels, whenever Jesus refers to him as Simon, minus the Peter, he's often referring to his past. He's often referring to his profession. Or when Simon needed correction and was acting out and being stupid. Jesus would say Simon, kind of like mom would say Douglas, Sean, Kelly, fellows. Jesus would say, Simon, I can only imagine Simon after his name was changed. When Jesus would refer to him, he'd probably like, oh, man, don't call me Simon. Don't call me Simon. Call me Peter. I like Peter. Because even Peter knew what Simon meant. Peter knew that Simon meant the past. And see, he had had a revelation that led to transformation. And he was no longer Simon. The pivotal moment, Jesus gives Simon his true identity, the vision of his full potential. When Jesus would refer to him as Peter, he was declaring what would be and could be if he would live like Peter. Because the name of Peter was opposite of Simon. Simon was unstable, irrational, erratic, and quick to anger. But Peter meant solid foundational, trustworthy, and unshaken. That's what Peter meant. So when Jesus refers to him as Peter, he was declaring over Peter who he was and could be because that's what Jesus saw in him. That's what he sees in you, and that's what he sees in me. Reminder that he was not an erratic failure any longer, but he was a solid leader. And Peter needed to see himself that way. It would take years for Peter to walk this out. We see that even when Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, well, you see, Peter had denied Christ during the crucifixion and denied him three different times. And so when Jesus stands before Peter after he had risen from the dead. He says, Simon? Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. And you know what Simon Peter was thinking? Oh man, he's using that name. He's using that name. Jesus said it a second time. Simon, do you love me? Oh Lord, you know I do. Jesus would say, then feed my sheep. And a third time, in response to the three times that he denied Christ, Jesus would say, Simon, do you love me? And at that moment, Peter understood, oh, I was acting like Simon. I'm going to act like Peter. I'm going to be Peter. Lord, you know I love you. And then he says, care for my lambs. We would jump over into the book of Acts, and from that point forward, we would hear of him as Peter, the rock, the greatest preacher 
He was no longer a common man with an ambivalent, vacillating, impulsive, unsubmissive personality. He would be shaped into the rock-like leader, the greatest preacher among the apostles. And in every sense, the dominant figure in the early church. Peter, you are a rock, Jesus would say. What does God think when he sees you? What does he see when he looks at you? What does God think about you? It all begins with how you see him, right? Because that's what it was with Peter. How do you see him? Because when you begin to see him as the son of God and the revelation that he is God and wants to do incredible things in your life, that a transformation begins to take place and you are no longer that old person. You are no longer that person that was, but you are the person that is and will be. And God sees you that way. When you experience that revelation, it becomes transformation and you have a new identity. God sees in you greatness. He sees in you the full potential that you have because why? He put it in you. And what unlocks it is when you come into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. As Pastor Jared said earlier on, God sees you as his child through Jesus Christ. He sees you as righteous through Jesus Christ. He sees you as powerful through Jesus Christ. I love how the apostle Paul said it in the book of Ephesians. Take a look. One of my absolute favorite scriptures. And it's a reminder to what God sees in you. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us to do. See, this is how God sees you. As his masterpiece. Precious, wonderful. I know sometimes I look in the mirror and I go, oh my goodness, Lord. I used to look so good, sound so good. And God says, no, 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 not used to. You're beautiful, Kelly. I love you. You are a masterpiece. Our mission here at Refinery Church, my mission personally, is to be a place where transformation happens and where potential is realized. That's our mission as the refinery congregation, a place where transformation happens. That transformation is, is that new life that is found in Jesus Christ, that new identity, not defined by the world, not defined by your family, not defined by the work that you do, not defined by your past, but that new identity that is found in Jesus Christ. That's where transformation happens. And potential being realized. Your potential. Recognizing that you are his masterpiece in Christ Jesus. Full of incredible potential. You know why? Because you are not an accident. You are not an afterthought. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. That God knit you together in your mother's womb and you are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. You are his masterpiece. As I held my little grandnephew this week and I saw his little uh, tiny hands, he was only five hours old. Little Julian and I saw, I looked at his perfect little eyebrows and his perfect little nose and I took his tiny little hand and held it in my finger and I couldn't help but thank God you were knitting him together. You were forming him and shaping him in his mommy's belly 
And this little boy has so much potential, God, that you've placed into him. And I prayed and declared over him, may he know you, Jesus, and declare you as Lord and Savior at an early age so that he would experience all that you've created him, called him to. You are not an accident. You are an on purpose. You need to turn to the person next to you and say, you are on purpose. You are not an accident. You are an on purpose. Pete, come on up, bro. Tatiana, come on up. Most of us struggle with our true identity. People's opinions, our past failures, society's pressures to conform, to change, these affect our self-image, what we think of ourselves. It can be confusing and discouraging. But God says, you are my child, like we sang this morning. You are a masterpiece. You are his treasure. I love the old preacher that said, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he saw that it was good. He created the animals, the trees, the birds, and the bees, and he saw and said that it was good. And then he made you. He made mankind and humanity, and mankind and humanity, when God looked at it, he said it is very good. That's how God sees you. That's how God sees you. Throughout the Bible, we get a better picture of how God sees us. And why do we get into the word of God? Not because it's just some religious duty. Not because it's some literary great work that we want to be able to expound upon and speak as if to say we are smart, intelligent, religious. It's to discover what God thinks of you. It's an accurate mirror. It's not one of those funhouse mirrors that are all crooked and funky and you walk in there going, man, I need to lose some weight or go, oh, look how tall I am. No, this is an accurate mirror. And I I gave you a little bookmark. Would you all pull that out? There's a little blue bookmark right there on your seat. This is for everybody. And I created this for you. I created this bookmark to help you look into God's word and see yourself the way God sees you. And I've listed 18 different scriptures. There are many more. But I wanted you to have 18 places that you can go in the Bible and see how God describes you. How God created you. And what God says about you. When he looks at you through Jesus Christ, when you come into that relationship with Jesus Christ and your life is transformed because of your confession of faith in Jesus, this is what he sees in you. So I've written these down actually in the first person. Would you take a look at that and begin to say this to yourself as you read this? I want God's word to transform you. And I'm encouraging you to take this throughout the week, put it in your car, put it someplace where you'll see it as a reminder, hang it on the mirror in your bathroom as a reminder of the accurate mirror and begin to look at this and say, I am strong. I am important. I am forgiven. I am a new creation. I am protected. I'm empowered. I am chosen. I'm lovely. I am family. I am his. 
I am unique. I am loved. I am special. I am beautiful. I am planned. I am cared for. I am precious. And I am unshaken. Pastor Kelly, why do this? Because I can tell you, there's so many voices coming at you. Your past, family members, associates, society, media, that want to tell you who you are. And those voices can be loud. They can be discouraging. They can be overwhelming. You need to hear God speak to you and what God says about you. So take these and allow God's word to transform your mind so that you stop with the stinking thinking and begin to see yourself the way God sees you. I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then I'm going to hand it over to Tatiana. This is not on the screens, but let me read something to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may be discerning what God's will is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Allow God's word to transform your thinking. Allow God's word to transform your mind. Your identity is found in who God, your creator, says you are. Read that bookmark more. Speak these truths over your life. And you'll push back the voices of the enemy. You'll push back the darkness and the influence of society. And you'll begin to see yourself in your true identity. Would you pray with me? Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the revelation that Jesus, you are the Messiah, the one who came, the anointed one who came to set free all those who were captive. There are men and women in the sound of my voice online and in this room that have been in bondage and in a prison created by their mind, a prison of doubt, a prison of confusion, prison of sin. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would set them free. The Bible says if you'll confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, saved from the bondage, saved from captivity. You can do that right now. Simply say, God, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Set me free to be who you have created me to be. In Jesus' name. joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.